Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset's Friday News Roundup, featuring the biggest news of the week from City Hall to Springfield. Large parts of Illinois' economy can reopen today, including offices, retail shops, daycares, and outdoor dining. The pandemic is still here. Just because the numbers are moving in the right direction in the state of Illinois, that does not mean that the virus has gone away. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot says the city will begin to see more parts reopening on Wednesday, June 3rd. This is the first holiday weekend for new Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown. 49 people were shot. 10 of which died. Whatever the strategy is, it didn't work. Joining us now to break down those stories and more is Better Government Association President David Greising. Hey, David. Hello, Jen. Also with us, Crane Chicago Business Government and Politics Reporter A.D. Quigg. Hey, A.D., welcome back. Hey, Jen, thanks. So let's jump right in. Today marks the first day in phase three of Governor J.B. Pritzker's plan to reopen the economy here in Illinois. Here he is explaining how that will work. With face coverings as the norm, non-essential manufacturing and other non-essential businesses can open in accordance with safety guidance. All public health gatherings of 10 people or fewer can take place during this phase. A.D., unpack for us what's happening. So this is long time in the making, uh, there was a bit of uncertainty when this all began, whether the Chicago area would be included on this reopening plan. Uh, For weeks now, we've been on the right track. And now the governor says all of the state's regions are ready to slightly reopen. Some businesses can come back with reduced capacity, including retailers. Um, That means outdoor dining for restaurants. Uh, But of course, Chicago is not on the same track as the rest of the state, Chicago will be slightly delayed, opening some more things up on June 3rd and then city services on June 8th. But again, we're going to have to keep to these basic public health guidelines. Everyone should wear a mask, stay six feet away when you can, and continue doing hand washing and all the regular protocols that have been called for for months. And the governor and the mayor have both said, if these numbers start trending in the opposite direction, we will not hesitate to go back to stricter stay-at-home guidance. Well, yesterday, public health officials announced 1,527 newly identified cases and 104 deaths. David, how do those numbers fit in with the state's plan to reopen? The rate of growth is within the range that the governor has talked about. Um, He's looking at also at the case positivity uh, index, which is the number of positive cases as a percent of the number of tests given. And that's at 8.3 percent right now, which is uh, has been declining over time and showing a positive trend. Uh, the governor uh, a couple of days ago said that we seem to have come off peak. And whatever statistics you're measuring, that notion that the state is now off the peak is news that people have been waiting for for a very long time. The growth in testing has, is another uh, factor the governor has been looking at. And he seems to be comfortable now, even though some of these numbers remain rather high. Well, yesterday, Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced that Chicago won't start reopening until June 3rd, as you said there, A.D. Let's take a listen. Our hope is that during phase three, we will be able to begin reopening other parts of our city, including summer programs, youth activities, religious services, gyms, and yes, our lakefront and beaches. A.D., what other details can you share about the city's reopening plan? So offices, hotels, uh, personal services like salons and barbershops, golf courses, but not the ones along the lakefront, and restaurants and coffee shops that have outdoor dining will be able to open, but with reduced capacity, often uh, 50% or 25%, and that doesn't include staff. So 
on June 8th, the city's libraries and park facilities that are also west of Lakeshore Drive will start to reopen. We've seen scattered reports, WTTW reported about certain park facilities that were closed that shouldn't have. Hopefully those will all be open on June 8th. Again, same uh, public safety protocols. And the city is also asking that, you know, businesses that are starting to welcome workers back, if they can, they're encouraging them to continue teleworking. And if not teleworking, to stagger their shifts in the morning so that um, CTA and Metra are not too crowded. So maybe starting uh, employees at 8, 9, and 10 a.m., or maybe having half of employees working from home and the other half in at the office. And they're also doubling down on uh, cleaning protocols that they've been using on buses and trains and will continue doing things like bypassing stops if buses or trains are too full. And there will also be audio announcements saying, hey, this car is a little bit too crowded. Why don't you guys all move down to the other one? And also enforcing or at least enforcing out loud the need to uh, socially distance. So if you are taking the CTA, they're encouraging you to keep a couple rows of seats between you and someone else and not try try not to sit directly next to someone else. Well, Lightfoot's reopening plan includes tougher restrictions than what the state will have, including a smaller capacity for many businesses. David, talk about the disconnect we're seeing between the state guidelines and the city's guidelines. Well, I mentioned that positivity rate statewide earlier in the kind of 9% range. The range in the city is 16.3%. And in some neighborhoods, it's as high as 30%. And if you're wondering why the mayor is being relatively conservative compared to Governor Pritzker, that's got to be a big reason. Uh, Dr. Allison Arwadi, the head of the, the health commissioner for Chicago, is hoping those extra days will help get that positivity rate down. For points of comparison, cities like Seattle are at 4%, New York is at 6%. This 16.3% positivity rate is very worrisome, and it's something that the city needs to continue paying close attention to. Well, A.D., David alluded to the fact that Governor Pritzker has said the state has come off its peak. What does that actually mean in terms of the numbers? So we're still seeing high numbers, um, but he has talked, we've asked him, are we at the peak yet? Are we at the peak yet? But mostly he said we continue to be at a plateau. Um, If you go to uh, any of the major Chicago news websites, you can kind of see the new coronavirus cases basically started peaking or hit the top of that plateau and are starting to trend downward around May 11th. That's positive news. And if you look at each region, it's complete. each region has completely different positivity numbers. Some are as low as 2%. But again, those numbers could um, trend back up. They reflect usually actions taken weeks before. So they'll be closely watching whether this gradual reopening leads to cases to kind of creep back up again. But part of the, part of the way to attack that is by having big increased testing capacity and also ramping up contact tracing, which is happening around the state and in Chicago. We saw this week the mayor announced grants to help hire 600 contact tracers to basically investigate where uh, the virus is spreading, calling around to people who are sick and asking who they've had recent contact with, calling those people and encouraging them to stay home. They hope to have those uh, folks employed by August so we can really... um, more aggressively figure out where the virus is spreading from and kind of stop it in its tracks before people go out and spread some more. David, I want to turn to the budget in a moment, but first, what do we know about the recovery rate of COVID-19 in Illinois? Well, the data is a little bit murky because the numbers that came in early showed um, a really sort of dire uh, outlook as to what the recovery rate that some, what is it, 92% of people who, who had the disease recovered 
that doesn't sound that bad, except that you consider that 8% of those people then died. Uh, what they're saying, the statisticians are saying, is that the thing is the testing in those early days was only done on people who were severely ill and compromised. And so, therefore, you had that higher uh, fatality rate. And as more data comes in and as testing gets more widespread, we're going to see a much higher recovery rate. Uh, that's what's expected. Well, let's turn to this emergency legislative session that took place in Springfield over Memorial Day weekend. Illinois lawmakers approved a new $40 billion budget. Let's take a listen. This budget, which cuts about a billion dollars from the original proposed budget and holds spending to last year's level in almost all areas, begins to address the financial upheaval that we're facing. But unfortunately, more hard choices about how to spend and save these dollars remain to be made. David, what's included in this plan? Well, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on here. The governor said that the levels are held even in most areas. One area that got a lot more spending is uh, the public health department, and that's the spending there will increase by about 150 percent, not quite 150 percent. The other very interesting factor is that there are $5 billion of new money coming in in borrowing from the Federal Reserve. The state hopes it can repay that using some COVID relief funds that came from the federal government, but that remains uncertain. And there's some concern there about that additional borrowing, given the high level of borrowing already for the state of Illinois. Well, the governor failed to get enough support from Democrats on his plan to penalize businesses that ignore his stay-at-home order. A.D., how is this issue playing out across the state? Well, we're seeing it play out, especially this week, in a variety of ways. We've had to see the governor kind of back off of uh, enforcement measures. He said he wanted legislators to pass something that would basically be less harsh than him having to use um, licensing agencies to basically shut businesses down. He said their failure to do that was a huge mistake. And to close things down, he will have to continue either using the licensing measures or figure out some other executive authority way to do that. We're seeing that kind of play out in this battle over church openings as well. Uh, The Thomas More Society basically successfully pushing back against part of phase three which limits uh, church gatherings to 10 people or fewer. I think we're going to continue to see tension between businesses and the state. Uh, We saw in Lake of the Ozarks, for example, last weekend, uh, tons and tons of folks gathering. And as people get more eager to go outside, we're also hearing about bars being pressured to open when they're not supposed to open. Um, Big gatherings will be be tough to enforce. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what kinds of executive action he tries to take and whether those things hold up in court. Well, on the other hand, you have Republicans criticizing the governor's budget plan for relying too heavily on federal aid. David, we spoke to Senator Dick Durbin this week, and we talked about the next round of pandemic relief, the HEROES Act, and it's pretty much at this point stalled out in Congress. So is this a legitimate concern? Well, it it certainly is that the borrowing that I mentioned earlier already is a significant amount. And if the state is counting on additional federal aid, as you pointed out, the House passed a huge aid bill, but it's going nowhere in the Senate and is unlikely to go anywhere in the Senate as written. And so it appears that we may be at the point where the government is uh, reluctant to continue printing money at the same rate it has in the first few weeks of the COVID crisis. And so the governor... Uh, If he's looking for additional help from uh, Washington, he'll probably get it, but possibly not on the scale that may have been expected and hoped for. And so what does that mean for the budget overall? If you look at the budget, he's he's not 
balancing it based on an expectation of huge new floods of cash from from what's been known so far, but it doesn't give them any flexibility. And as revenue numbers uh, start coming in, there are significant concerns. You know, just in one area, for example, in in casino revenues, it's estimated the state has lost already about $100 million in casino revenues. Those numbers uh, are counted on for things like infrastructure spending, et cetera. And so um, the most likely area of cutback is the state's planned uh, $42 billion multi-year infrastructure spending program. Well, speaking of casinos, lawmakers did approve Mayor Lori Lightfoot's changes to the tax structure for a casino in Chicago. A.D., we know she took a swing at this before and it and had a miss. How did she pull it off this time around? Right. Third, third time's a charm. Uh, <laughs> last time we talked, uh, we said, I was saying a casino could go either way in this very short session. You could either say it's essential to get going since the state needs that money to get its infrastructure plans up and running. Or you could say, who cares about a casino during a pandemic? That first argument won out in part because the mayor made calls to about 20 or 30 legislators and pushed really hard for this, and also because the governor wanted it. So this will be a big boon if it does work out to the city's public safety pensions. Mayor Lightfoot apparently made that big personal push and was kind of doing a victory lap this week. But like we said, casinos across the state have been dark since mid-March, and it's not clear when they'll reopen. It's also not clear how much demand there will be with so many people unemployed, so much less spendable money, and continued fears about uh, people going into high-touch settings. Uh, Basically, everyone's watching to see what Las Vegas does. The governor opened the door to horse racing starting again this week, but of course without uh, any crowds. There was similar talk about um, other major sports getting up and running, but without crowds. And there's no sports being played at the moment, so there's no sports betting. This also takes us to where would this casino go? Who would pay for it? The mayor wouldn't speculate much about that this week. She hasn't since uh, casino conversations really started because she doesn't want to fuel any big land grabs in any certain areas. Uh, But the feasibility report last year says it should go somewhere that will attract tourists. So she said this week she wants to make it into an entertainment district with a hotel and likely a performance space to make it as attractive to as many people as possible. Chicago's mayor and police superintendent are reacting to the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. We've been covering that uh, throughout the day here on WBEZ. Floyd died on Monday after a police officer knelt on his neck for nine minutes. Let's take a listen. To watch the entirety of that video and to see the life leave another human being, it, 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 it sickened me. And I want to make sure that something like that doesn't happen in our city. Superintendent Brown says he's requiring all Chicago police officers to watch the video of Floyd's death. David, your thoughts? It is a very upsetting video, in some ways more upsetting than the Laquan McDonald video, which is also one of the worst ever made. And that's because, as the mayor pointed out, you watch over an extended period of time, and also there's audio connected with it, which wasn't really the case with the McDonald video. And and so it raises all kinds of questions for Chicago about does this police force have the discipline to uh, make certain that, as the mayor says, that something like that would not happen here. That's the reason we have a federal consent decree. Uh, What's worrisome is that the um, newly elected head of the FOP is something of a, a rogue cop. Now, what he said, John Lavazara said about this video is encouraging in that he 
said it was despicable to see that and that these were techniques that no cop ever sees in any kind of training and uh he disowned that that sort of thing so it's hopeful that we'll never see something like that in chicago but it does speak to the continuing challenges that the police department faces here in this city well, and this is, I think, a bit of a test for Superintendent Brown, A.D. There was a large protest yesterday in Inglewood. A downtown rally is being planned for Saturday. And there have been questions about how black and brown people in Chicago are policed, uh, whether they're policed more heavily. We know there was a Department of Justice uh, investigation that showed just that. So talk about this moment for Superintendent Brown very early in his time in Chicago and the kind of leadership he needs to show right now. Right, exactly. And he's coming off, you know, the, the deadliest Memorial Day weekend in four years, 10 killed, 39 injured. Both he and the mayor have kind of pointed to coronavirus uh, to blame for how much more difficult this task is. There are people restless from being shut inside. And the change in the infrastructure of courts and jails to respond to the crisis makes this a little bit harder. Uh, Lightfoot said this week, uh, federal agents have been on the sidelines for weeks. Courts aren't t- taking a lot of criminal cases. And folks are kind of cycling in and out of the court system uh, more quickly. They are planning, this is also, you know, summertime in Chicago, a challenge for any superintendent, regardless of uh, what's going on in the wider world. Chicago Police Department uh, plans to be on certain corridors over the summer, being very public and out uh, at CTA stations along the lakefront. But like you said, there have been questions about how the department has enforced stay-at-home orders, stops and citations. Uh, Block Club reported this week that between March and May, 13 people were arrested for violating stay-at-home stay at home orders. Ten were black, one was white, and two were juveniles whose race and arrest reports are withheld. And, you know, the mayor has said, I don't know why the media is fixing, fixating on this. CPD is enforcing this all over the city, but we don't have data for, for dispersals that have happened around the city. At the beginning, we do know they were concentrated on the west side. This is even tougher because David Brown has said, my moonshot goal is to have fewer than 300 homicides a year. We're already at 217, and we're not even halfway through. Well, and there's enforcement, and then there's the question of how that enforcement is applied. And David, at a time when we're seeing, you know, different types of protests happening around the country, um, we're seeing armed protesters pushing back against stay-at-home orders, and then we see people protesting Mr. Floyd's death. And I just want your thoughts about the needle the mayor needs to thread here and also Superintendent Brown. Well, put this against the context of the needle that the mayor did not thread uh, after the weekend. And she took instead took a sledgehammer out and banged on uh, the record that David Brown has established over this weekend. She talked about it as being a fail on the part of her new police superintendent. And you've got to sort of wonder at a time when one uh, would be looking for leadership and confidence in this brand new police chief, whether the mayor uh, might want to be trying to support him instead of publicly criticizing him in this way. Uh, there are questions about uh, the way he staffed over the weekend. There was a rumor that proved to be false that there were 1,000 fewer cops on the streets, but it does appear that David Brown did reduce the amount of the number of cops there uh, working overtime on this Memorial Day weekend, and maybe he will have learned something from that. In terms of the police tactics, that's a little bit up in the air. We don't yet know. Um, Brown came in with a track record of de-escalation as a, ma- as a major technique, but it takes a little while for that change in policing style to take root, and we're headed into, as A.D. pointed out, we're headed into the toughest 
time of the year. And this uh, inaugural holiday weekend for this new police chief was not very promising. And meanwhile, he's facing a morale problem in the rank and file among the police, hard feelings over the consent decree and the fact that the uh, unionized members of the police force are working out without a contract for over three years with no promise of any new contract anywhere in sight. And so there's a big morale problem that the new police chief, David Brown, uh, faces as we head into this very challenging summer. So a lot of moving pieces right now across the state and in Chicago. A.D., you know, as we start to see a loosening of restrictions statewide and the next week in Chicago, what are you going to be keeping an eye on as people adjust to, you know, being able to move about more freely but not completely freely? There's a ton. I mean, how will restaurants adapt? We're going to start seeing restaurants open with outdoor dining. That's a big deal. How will the CTA adapt? Will they be able to uh, follow transit, uh, folks taking transit quickly enough to adapt to demand? I'm eager to see what the mayor announces today in terms of open streets. She's set to have a press conference at 1 p.m. where she's going to announce some new pedestrian space. I'm also eager to see um, if that includes these alfresco dining districts designed to help restaurants. And I'll be looking at the stats um, in the weeks to come. Does people being out and about more mean that uh, the risk continues to go up? And David, what about for you specifically around this loosening of restrictions in the state and and in Chicago? What are you what are you watching most closely as we move into this time? Well, I guess I have to confess that the loosening up of uh, liquor store sales um, is is something that has caught my attention that the fact that you'd be able to um, purchase liquor and carry it out of stores, et cetera. Um, one thing that's really interesting is the whole lakefront issue, that, that the mayor continues to separate the lakefront from everything else. When the lakefront, more than anywhere else, is, is a prized asset of the city and is a place where a lot of people rely on for recreation, we're hearing reports, obviously, about people jogging through neighborhoods and causing disruption and uh, breaking, violating social distancing norms. In the sidewalks, the city has responded to that in some areas by opening up uh, lanes of the street and making them open to to pedestrians and and runners and others so that there's not this sort of consolidation of people and and danger to people. So I'll be watching the lakefront just to see when the mayor finally decides that conditions are right for people to return safely to the lakefront. Well, that's it for the Friday News Roundup. Thanks to our panel today, A.D. Quigg of Crane Chicago Business and David Greising of the Better Government Association. A.D., David, good to talk to you. Thanks. Jen, thanks. We'll miss you. Good luck in your new job. Miss you, you, Jen. And that's today's Reset. Reset is produced by Meha Ahmad, Steve Bynum, Stephanie Kim, Jason Mark, Bianca Martin, and Nareda Morano, with production assistance from Zach Wilson and Alize Hassan. Dave Miska is our engineer, and the executive producer of Reset is Dan Tucker. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend, and let's talk again soon. 